Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Have you or someone you know ever struggled with cancer? It's a scary word, and it would seem there is no real cure. What would you do? Many choose to do absolutely nothing, believing the so-called treatments are worse than the disease. Others go through surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy, and sometimes they beat it for a while. But many times the cancer does come back, and even if it doesn't, the so-called treatments cause lasting harm to the body in the process. What if there were a better way to handle the disease? What if you could treat cancer and actually feel better at the same time? What if you could improve your health and longevity naturally? I know it sounds too good to be true, but our guest today, Dr. Lorraine Day, is an internationally acclaimed orthopedic trauma surgeon and best-selling author who reversed her severe advanced cancer by rebuilding her immune system with natural therapies. Dr. Day believes aging and disease are much better handled naturally, and she's here to tell us her story. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio, Dr. Day. So excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. So you were diagnosed with cancer as a medical doctor, yet you rejected conventional medical treatment, and this was decades ago. This wasn't today when we've got the Internet. We've got so many different conversations out there about alternative therapies. What was that like? Well, I rejected all conventional therapy because it doesn't work. And people say, oh, I know people who've gotten well from cancer uh, with uh, chemotherapy or mastectomy. Actually, unfortunately, you don't know people who've gotten well from cancer because you don't get well from cancer by chemotherapy and radiation. Both chemotherapy and radiation cause cancer. You can't get a cancer patient well by treating them with something that actually causes the disease they already have. What you have seen is some people go into remission. But if they were really cured, they would never have to go back to the doctor again. But they have to go back every six months or a year to see if the cancer has returned. So obviously they're not cured. Not only that, chemotherapy and radiation uh, cause long-term deficits to the immune system as well as the brain. Chemotherapy causes uh, deficits to the brain that can be detected as long as 10 years later. And they just wipe out the energy of the person, cause so much damage to the body and the blood that people develop secondary cancers because of the treatment of the first cancer. The other thing about radiation is it just... It does terrible damage to the organs around the target organ, such as if you have breast cancer, you may have like a 3% increase in longevity if you have radiation for your breast cancer compared to doing nothing. But you have a greater chance than that of having a fatal heart attack if you have radiation because the radiation for your breast cancer does terrible damage to your heart. 
And so all of these things, you can't get a sick person well by damaging their body. And certainly I didn't develop breast cancer because I had too many breasts. So cutting one or both of them off I knew would not cure me. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. And so I, I knew I wasn't going to do those methods of treatment, uh, again, because they don't work. And I had heard uh, of people who had gotten well from uh, cancer by natural methods. I'd heard about them, but of course in medicine we're brainwashed to think that's quackery. But when I w had my own radio show called Truth Serum, I actually went around the country finding some of these people who had been diagnosed by biopsy at legitimate medical centers by legitimate surgeons and had refused all conservative, uh, um, conventional therapy and had gotten well. And so this was the information that I already had before I was diagnosed with cancer. So I uh, knew I wasn't going to do, uh, take any kind of conventional therapy, but I started on one alternative method after another. I did 714X and the macrobiotic diet, and I did um, the uh, Rife Generator and all of these things that are promoted now on the Internet, and none of them worked to the point that I became bedridden. I was bedridden for six months. I had a tumor the size of a grapefruit on my chest. If you go to my website at drday.com, you can see uh, pictures of me there with that horrendous tumor. And um, I was, at one point, I was not expected to live through the night. But I had kept researching the medical literature for all the things that we doctors are not taught in our training. Uh, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, I was on the faculty as an associate professor in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery for many years at the University of California, uh, San Francisco Medical School. I was also vice chairman of the department, and I didn't know any of these things. Doctors don't know anything about health, and they know very little about disease. So uh, there are two places that doctors are worthwhile, and that is if you're shot or stabbed or run over by a truck, you need someone like me, a trauma surgeon, to put you back together again because that trauma is not caused by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. Or if you're born with a cleft palate or a club foot, you need a surgeon to fix that for you. But again, that's not caused by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. You were born that way. But diseases are caused by the way you live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. So the only one who can cure your disease is you. Because, you see, we give ourselves diseases. I gave myself cancer. I didn't mean to. I didn't do it on purpose. But I did it because I was ignorant of the many habits that we all have that everybody is uh, doing every day that actually abuse your body and give you disease. Not only that, a year before I was diagnosed with cancer, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, and I had quite a tremor. But when I learned how to get well by changing my lifestyle factors, I learned how to get well from cancer, all of my Parkinson's symptoms went away as well. And I thought, wow, all of these diseases are caused by the same five factors, the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. Wow. So much there <laughs> we could go into and talk about for hours on end. Yes. So from 
conventional medicine, you know, 20 years ago, what, and, and let me, let me start. How old are you today? I'm 80. And so 20 years ago, um, when you had, when you were diagnosed with cancer, you were 60 and you were still practicing I, actually, medicine. Actually, I, I was diagnosed in 1993. I was 56. I got worse for two years and then it took me a year and a half to get well. So by the time I got well, I was 60. You were 60. And so were you still 20, practicing medicine at the time? Well, by the time I got well, yes, of course. First of all, you have to think, what is the practice of medicine? People think, oh, a doctor in an office seeing patients. Well, radiologists rarely ever see a patient. Uh, pathologists never see a live one. Uh, people in uh, doctors, medical doctors in public health uh, make policies. They don't see patients. I have been practicing medicine for all of this time. I am not operating anymore because I, I trained a lot of men and a few women who do what I did as an orthopedic trauma surgeon for many years. But when I, as a conventional trained medical doctor, got well from cancer by natural methods, I had a whole new career. And I, people were just anxious to know how I got well because I was, uh, you know, in fourth, I had fourth stage breast cancer. And I had cancer all over. And so uh, when I got well, people said, how, do, how did you do it? Well, first of all, if I had opened an office at that time, again, I hadn't worked for three and a half years because of the cancer. So if I had opened an office at that time and had seen cancer patients in my office, I practice in California. I would have lost my license. I still have my license to practice medicine. It is against the law in California and some other states for any doctor to treat any cancer patient with anything other than chemotherapy, radiation, and mutilating surgery. It's against the law. That's the huge lock that the drug companies have on, on orthodox medicine. But I am allowed to teach people how to do it through my, my books and DVDs and CDs as long as I know that it is for educational purposes. So I, ha I, do, uh, I do practice medicine, but I'm practice me practicing medicine in a very different way now. Got it. Now, isn't that crazy that it's against the law for a doctor to practice medicine on a cancer patient outside of the conventional treatment? Why do you think that is? I think the answer is probably obvious, but it's so funny to me. Well, again, it's the greed and it's the control of the drug companies and and the real thing is you have to you have to ask yourself, do they really want you to get well? Because see, drugs never make you well. No drug makes you well from any disease. Drugs don't cure disease because drugs only treat the symptoms of your disease, never the underlying causes. So you have to be on those drugs for the rest of your life. That's why you know they don't cure you, such as if you have high blood pressure. You go to your doctor, and your doctor will give you medication for high blood pressure. Then people say, oh, well, I'm fine. My blood pressure is normal now. No, it's not really normal. It appears to be normal, but you're still doing all the things that cause high blood pressure, but yet you are taking a drug which artificially lowers it. So you're not curing your disease because you have to be on it for the rest of your life. Um, high blood pressure is not caused by a deficiency of high blood pressure medication. 
uh, nor is uh, lupus caused by a deficiency of medication for lupus or any of these diseases. Uh, so drugs don't cure disease. They never address the underlying cause of the disease. What we've got to do is change the things that cause high blood pressure. What causes high blood pressure? Um, eating animal products and all the fat causes cholesterol deposits on the inside of your blood vessels, which narrows the opening to your, um, your blood vessels and causes the uh, blood vessel itself to become stiff and non-elastic and also stress and lack of water, and all of those things are the things that cause high blood pressure. No pill addresses those things. It's your lifestyle factors that have to address those things, such as all animal products promote the growth of cancer. They all promote the growth of cancer. Why? Well, first of all, animal products contain no water. Fruits, grains, and vegetables contain water. So animal products dry out your body and they take a lot of water from your body to digest them because they have no water. Dehydration is one of the causes of every disease, including cancer. Uh, so when you eat animal products, you're also eating far more fat than you need. Animal products can be 20 or 30% fat. They can even be 20 to 30% protein. Uh, the meat and dairy industry keeps telling you you need a lot of protein. Oh, you need a lot of protein. Eat protein. That's good. No, no. Americans are killing themselves with protein. Uh, that's far more protein than any person needs. And um, uh, you get all the hormones from the animal, even if they weren't factory farmed. You have your own hormones that your body produces, but when you eat the, the, the animals, you eat their hormones as well, which makes cancer grow. So, and when you eat the animal, you're eating five times more hormones than the animal usually has because when it knows it's going to be slaughtered, it pours out enormous amounts of cortisone and adrenaline, which are not destroyed by cooking. And then you eat all that cortisone, which is the same as uh, the cortisol, which is in the animal, and it suppresses your immune system so you can't get well. So animal products all promote the growth of cancer. People say, well, I've got to have my protein. Well, I am reading to you from the United States Department of Agriculture vegetable protein chart. Spinach is 49% protein. Broccoli is 45% protein. Cauliflower is 40% protein. Tomatoes are 18% protein. Cabbage is 22% protein. Lemons are 16% protein. You get all the protein you need from fruits, grains, and vegetables without gorging yourself with all this animal protein that causes constipation, which is a major cause of all disease, including cancer, because animal products, uh, meat, uh, poultry, and fish go very slowly through your intestine because they don't contain water and they don't contain fiber and it takes about three days for them to get through your intestine where fruits, grains, and vegetables that are full of water, uh, you see, you can make juice out of uh, fruits and vegetables. You can't make juice out of a steak except for the blood, you see. And so uh, the fruits, grains, and vegetables go rapidly through your intestine, but the uh, meat, poultry, and fish take a very slow time to go through, and they putrefy in your intestine, and then the blood vessels that supply your intestine pick up those putrefactive products and deliver them to all your cells. Take a pound of ground round 
or a steak and put it on your kitchen counter, leave it there for three days, turn the temperature up to 100 degrees, which is about your body temperature, which is 98.6, leave it there for three days and tell me if you want to eat it. No, and that's what happens in your body. That does make a lot of sense. You see? Now, to play devil's advocate, though, uh-huh. There are a lot of diets out there um, or a, a lot of thinking out there that says, you know, the grains aren't good for you, that fruits have um, sugar and sugar feeds the cancer, okay. that meat, there's ketogenic diets out there that have had an effect on cancer for people. So is it based on, um, you know, the person's blood type or the person's kind of, um, you know, is it is it necessary to the person? Some people, I think, um, may handle grains better and fruits and vegetables than others. Why so much difference in opinion and thinking and philosophies and science around this? Well, first of all, you've got to go back to the very beginning and you say, what diet were we, what were we created to eat? And the diet in the Garden of Eden was fruits, grains, uh, fruits and, and, and vegetables, actually, fruits and grains after sin vegetables were added. We are meant to eat fruits, grains, and vegetables. We have the flat surface for grinding, uh, just like a cow. We have a long coiled intestine for someone who's going to eat fruits, grains, and vegetables. We don't have the short, straight intestine of the cat family. And so uh, when this stuff putrefies in our intestines, that tells us it's bad for us. But here's, here's the problem. Uh, science is constantly changing, constantly. Um, I have a, a DVD called Double Blind, What Science Can't See. When I was a, um, an intern, an article came out, in the New England Journal of Medicine, um, I, I had developed mononucleosis because as an intern, you're working night and day constantly, and I got sick, and I had mono. And so uh, the, when I at first, I, the, the resident sent me home, said, you're sicker than most of the patients. Go home and get well. The first week I was in bed with mononucleosis, the lead article in the New England Journal of Medicine, one of the most prestigious journals in the world, said that those who have leukemia, I mean, those who have mononucleosis when they're young will get leukemia when they're older. Well, that certainly was not good news for me when I was laying there in bed with mononucleosis. Well, about six months later, they came out with another article and said, oh, no, we were wrong. Uh, It doesn't do that. Well, see, science is constantly changing. Uh, It used to be that that surgeons would do a... um, massive mastectomy and take out all the nodes under the arm and leave these women with big swollen arms that were useless when they would do breast cancer surgery. Well, then about 15 years later, they said, oh, no, that doesn't work. Uh, We've got to do this. We have to do a simple mastectomy. We won't take all those nodes out. What about all those women left with a useless arm that's three times the size of their other arm? Oh, well, medicine says, oh, well, now we know more. Yeah, but what about these poor people? That, that you disabled by your surgery. See, science is constantly changing. We've got to find something that is better than science. And that is the way we were made, how we were created. You see, we were created to eat fruits, grains, and vegetables. This whole business of, of eat for your type diet is based on evolution. 
There's no evidence for that. They say, oh, if you're this blood type, you're a hunter and a gatherer. And if you're this type, that's ridiculous. Horses have 12 different blood types and they all eat hay. Okay? It has nothing to do with our blood type. We are meant to be vegetarians. We are made from the soil. We should eat from the soil. We have a long-coiled intestine like other herbivores, and we're meant to eat that way. Besides, as I said, all of these animal products, you're eating the the hormones of the animal, even if they're not factory farmed, even if you're not adding hormones to them. And and, uh, it's all in the medical literature that animal products promote the growth of cancer. It's just that doctors don't read anything after they finish their medical training, practically, and they don't and they don't want to change their own diet. So, see, doctors develop cancer at the same rate as the general population, and doctors die of cancer at the same rate as the general population. So if doctors don't know how to prevent or reverse cancer in themselves, how can they do it in you? And they also say that most doctors would not take the chemotherapy or radiation if they got cancer. Well, that's what 75% of them say they wouldn't because it's such a devastating treatment, quote-unquote treatment. Uh, but when, when they really do develop cancer, they actually do take those treatments because they don't know what else to do. They don't want to, but they don't know what else to do, and they usually die. So the thing is that... Um, uh, the whole business of eating for your type. See, as I said, cancer and all other diseases do not fall from the sky. They don't just happen, and they're not genetic. Cancer is not genetic. I can show you that in a couple sentences. In America, in 1900, 3% of Americans had cancer. Now, over 50% have cancer. If it was in our genes, then our great-grandparents would have, had, would have had to have as much as we do in order to pass it down to us. But they didn't. You see? They didn't have it. So the whole idea is that we give cancer to ourselves. We damage our own genes. But God has given us a wonderful DNA repair mechanism in our body that can fix up to 66,000 damages a day. Now, we damage our DNA from just the processes of daily living. But when we eat, live, and, and, and handle stress poorly, we cause more damages to our DNA than our DNA repair mechanism can fix. And that's when we're in trouble. So all we have to do is unburden our body of all those things that we're doing that we think are normal because everybody else is doing it. And then we can get well. The body is designed to heal itself. If you get a cut, it will heal. If you, um, if you have surgery, it will heal. If you just unburden your body from what you're doing to it, it will heal. Childhood diseases are self-limiting. Colds are self-limiting. The flu is self-limiting. We don't need drugs or any other things. It's just the body uh, unburdening itself from all the mess that we do to it. And so the body is designed to heal itself. So what we have to do is stop doing the things that harm it. You know, if, if you as a as a, uh, uh, suppose that you were an orthopedic surgeon and I came to you uh, and showed you my thumb. I said, look at my thumb. My thumb is mangled and it won't heal. And so you say to me as an orthopedic surgeon, well, what happened to it? 
And I say to you, I hit it with a hammer. And you say, when did you hit it with a hammer? And I would say to you, I hit it with a hammer every day. And your response would be to me, well, quit hitting it with a hammer. All right, and then it'll heal. But that's what we do to our body every day. We hit it with a hammer. We, we do all of these things, the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress, um, are like hitting our body with a hammer. And it just keeps it inflamed and damaged, and then we get some terrible disease. What we have to do is we have to learn how to unburden our body in order to, um, to let it get well. So rather than when we have cancer, that just means that we've not been living, eating, and handling stress properly. Once we learn how to do that, then our body can get well. And that's what I did. I changed my diet to a totally vegan diet, no animal products whatsoever. I eliminated all processed sugar and sugar substitutes. Now you talk about fruit. Fruit has sugar in it? Yes, of course. But when you eat the, the fruit, it is a, the sugar is attached to fiber. And so it comes out very slowly, and it does not prompt your insulin to shoot up like it does when you're eating um, uh, refined sugar. When I, the body is meant to run on carbohydrates. People say, oh, carbohydrates are bad. No, carbohydrates are good. The brain only runs on carbohydrates, and the body is meant to run at least 80% on carbohydrates. Now, I'm not talking about Twinkies and Ho-Hos. I'm talking about fruits, grains, and vegetables in their natural form. When you eat those, the, 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 the sugar in there is the carbohydrate is attached to fiber, so it's broken down very slowly, so your insulin rise is very mild. When you eat Twinkies and Ho-Hos and pastries and all that, your insulin shoots up. And then it overshoots and comes down and makes you hypoglycemic, low blood sugar, and then you want more sugar. So the type of carbohydrates you eat is very, very important. So, again, everybody's saying carbohydrates are bad. No, carbohydrates are good, but in their natural form, fruits, grains, and vegetables in their natural form. Secondly, dehydration is a major cause of cancer. Uh, particularly breast cancer. The breast is a water-driven organ. It's meant to produce milk. When it's dehydrated, it starts forming fibrous nodules, and that is a precursor to cancer. So what we've got to do is keep our body uh, properly hydrated. The body loses 10 glasses of water every day, even if you don't get out of bed. 10 glasses, and here's the way you lose it. <clears throat> Your breath is moist. You'll fog up a mirror and you're breathing 24 hours a day, so you're losing water there. You lose it from perspiration even when it's not hot. You lose more when it is hot. And then you lose water because your body has to take water to put it into your stomach to make digestive juices. All that is lost in the kidneys, through the kidneys and the colon. So you lose 10 glasses even if you don't get out of bed. When you don't replace those 10 glasses, you are further and further dehydrating your body, which makes your body sick. Now, if you are drinking the water, that's good. But if you're drinking coffee, coffee is a diuretic. It takes more water out of your body than comes in with the drink, plus it has 50 toxins in it. If you drink energy drinks, if you drink caffeinated tea, if you drink caffeinated soda, if you drink alcohol, all of those dehydrate your body, as does stress. Stress is very dehydrating to the body, so you have to learn how to handle your stress. Now, also, 
And now you remember, water is essentially free. I don't suggest drinking tap water, so you have to pay for it, but essentially water is free. Um, then sunlight. Sunlight is, is very beneficial to a cancer patient. Sunlight reduces the size of internal cancerous tumors. Sunlight boosts your immune system. Sunlight lowers high blood pressure. Sunlight increases your energy. Sunlight um, decreases the resting heart rate. And sunlight does not cause skin cancer. Even though we doctors are all taught that it does, dermatologists all believe it does, the media tells you it does, and here's how you know it doesn't. In 1900, we were still in America, an agrarian society. A lot of people lived on farms. 75% of people worked outdoors in 1900, and there was no skin cancer. Now, only 10% of Americans work outdoors, and skin cancer is everywhere. It is not the sun. It is the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. So the sunlight is very good, and it, it boosts your immune system. It actually uh, turns your cholesterol into vitamin D, which is very beneficial for a cancer patient. Um, so, so we need the sunlight. We need fresh air. Do you realize that, that cancerous tumors go, grow twice as fast if you're breathing indoor air as if you're breathing outdoor air? Now, all of this is documented in the medical literature. On my website at drday.com, I have many books and DVDs. I have in, in the recent books I've written, I have between two and 300 medical references from the finest medical journals proving all of this. This is all in the medical literature, but we are not taught it in our medical training. No doctor is taught the information that I'm giving you now that is clearly documented in the medical literature. And as I say, I give all the references in my books. And so that's when I started finding out this information. I thought, how come we're not taught this? Well, because the drug companies control most of what doctors are taught in their training because drug companies give huge amounts of money to medical schools for the medical researchers to uh, come up with more drugs. And so it's the old uh, distorted golden rule, he who has the gold rules. And so that's why we're not taught this in our medical training. Uh, if people were all well and knew how to get themselves well, they wouldn't need drugs. They wouldn't need doctors either. You see, so there's a whole business going on. Uh, the health care, or rather disease care, is 17% of the gross national product of America. Why do you think they would want to do with that, away with that part of the economy? And so um, these things are free. Hair, air is free. Water is free. Sunlight is free. And sleep is free. And the healing hormones are produced between 10 p.m. and 2 o'clock in the morning, but you've got to be in bed asleep in order to get those healing hormones. And you hear many times about celebrities who have cancer, and everybody thinks they're such heroes because they work right through it. Well, that's stupid because if your body's sick, it needs rest. You cannot repair a car while you're driving it. And you cannot repair a human body while you're driving that either. So when your body is sick, it needs rest.
and you'll have healing hormones produced in your body if you're in bed at the right time. And then stress is an extremely important cause of every disease. Now, doctors are always scratching their heads. Well, we don't know. We need more studies to see if stress causes disease. Well, it's easy for any doctor to know that stress causes disease because when your body is stressed, whether it's financial stress, whether it's domestic stress, whether it's stress of anything in your life, it causes the fight-or-flight reaction in your body. Every doctor knows about the fight-or-flight reaction. When that, it's, it's meant for you to have increased energy and decreased pain for a short period of time to run from a bear or run from a, uh, an attacker or something like that. It's meant for short-term, not long-term, and then your body has to recover from it. The fight-or-flight reaction is what allows a woman to be able to pick up a car off of her child that's under the wheel, uh, and, and that has occurred. Uh, but then you, you have superhuman strength for a short period of time, but then your body has to recover. But when people are stressed, they are triggering their flight-or-fight reaction constantly at whatever level. Not at the same level as if you're running from a bear, but you are triggering it. And the fight-or-flight reaction pours out adrenaline, which gives you the extra strength. But with a cancer patient, it leaches the energy from your body that you need to get well. And then it pours out cortisol, which is like cortisone, which suppresses your immune system so you cannot get well. So when you are stressed, and stress occurs when you hold on to anger, grudges, resentment, lack of forgiveness, fear, worry, anxiety, all of those things cause your body to have a stress reaction. And this triggers the fight-or-flight hormones. So people don't understand that you can't get well from mental or physical disease unless you forgive everyone who's ever wronged you, unless you give up anger and grudge holding. These things harm our body. People want revenge, and revenge tastes very sweet on their tongue. But as one great philosopher says, you roll that idea of vengeance over on your tongue, and you think how nice it would be to get at that person. It's like a feast, but the skeleton at the feast is you. So you have to learn how to give up that anger and grudge holding. You have to learn how to forgive everyone who's ever wronged you. And that's a part of getting well from disease that's almost never discussed in any plan. It's not just the food. You've got to eat a vegan diet because I said all animal products contain hormones. They contain no water. They contain no fiber. And they promote the growth of cancer and every other disease. And so uh, you've got to give that up, and you've got to get on the proper diet. But you've got to do these other things as well. You've got to be thankful for what you've got and that you're not dead. If you have cancer, you're not dead. And so um, instead of being a downer and, and saying, oh, poor me, why did this happen to me? Just say, be thankful. You did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. But the good news is that if you understand how you did it to yourself, you can reverse it, and that's what I did. I, once I had my biopsy, I had a biopsy diagnosis both at Loma Linda University Medical Center and at Scripps Hospital in San Diego, and that those uh, diagnoses, the paper diagnosis plus my pathology slides are on my website at drday.com. From that time on, I have never been to a doctor. I have never been to a doctor for anything, and I can still run 
I can still play basketball for my 80th birthday. I got a regulation size basketball net so I can play basketball. Uh, I have no aches or pains. I have the energy of a 30-year-old. And uh, six months ago, I turned 80. And most people who don't know my age uh, think I am in my early 60s. So you can go on my website and see my picture at the age of 80 as well. So the thing is, these things work, but you've got to do them. And people just – the problem is on both sides. It's the doctor's side and it's the patient's side. First of all, the doctor doesn't know how to get you well because, again, doctors develop the same diseases as the patients at the same rate, and they die at the same rate. So they don't know how to get you well. Uh, and they can't change your habits. You're the only one who can change your habits. But you've got to take hold, and you cannot dance around the health plan and expect to get well. You've got to commit to doing it, and you've got to do it 100%, and it's a change in your way of life. You can never go back to living, eating, and handling stress the way you did before because then you'll get sick again. Uh, so it's, it's a commitment to a change in, in almost everything in your life. And most people don't want to do that. They'll say, oh, I like my meat. You know, well, then, you know, go ahead and eat it. I'm not telling you not to eat it because I don't have the right to tell you what to do. But you're going to get sick if you keep doing it. And if you keep eating sugar, refined sugar, not the natural sugar that's in fruit, that God put in fruits, grains, and vegetables. Refined sugar will kill you. And uh, you see, um, as I said, in 1900, people ate very little meat. Uh, that's one reason the incidence of cancer was so low. They worked outside. They got sunlight. They got fresh air. They went to bed at night because they didn't stay up uh, playing video games and, and on their cell phones and on their computers. They went to bed when the sun went down. And, uh, and if they ate any meat at all, it was the cow in their backyard that was eating grass. And they ate very little because they couldn't afford it. And so they were healthier then. You say, oh, well, the life expectancy was low. No, it wasn't. If you went past your childhood diseases, if you got past that, the life expectancy in 1900 is the same as it is now. And why were children getting childhood diseases? Not because of lack of vaccinations. Vaccinations have not been responsible for the decrease in childhood diseases. It was in 1900 when the Industrial Revolution started and people from farms started moving into the cities. The children, there were no child labor laws. Children were working at nine years old in the mine for 12 hour, mines for 12 hours a day. Uh, they had uh, bad air down in the mines. Children were working in sweatshops and uh, people were living under stairways because there were so, there were so few apartments and housing available in the cities because of this big influx of workers. And people were living in rooms without windows, and they were throwing their waste material out in the street, so there was very little sanitation. That's what caused childhood diseases, and that's what caused the decrease in life expectancy when you added all those children who died in with the general population. And then it made it look like uh, adults were dying at younger ages, but they weren't. And so what we've got to do is we've, we've got to change our lifestyle. Um, as we said earlier before the program, some people say, you know, people in churches, uh, I happen to be a Christian. I don't go to church because I don't believe in organized churches. The churches are full of people who are sick and dying and taking drugs. So I knew my answer would not be there. And I believe that Christianity is not a religion. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ with nobody in between. So I am not an organized churchgoer. But churches are always talking about, you know, they're praying for all these people with cancer and other diseases and then they die. 
Well, yeah, because they never changed the things in their life that caused it. And so they die, and then they say, well, it must have been God's will. No, it's never God's will that we die of disease. In fact, as I was trying all these 40 different types of alternatives which didn't work and refusing all orthodox medicine, and my tumor kept growing bigger and bigger, I was studying not only the medical literature, but I was studying the Bible because I thought, I'm going to look anywhere I can to see how not to die. And so I found in the Bible there are numerous promises about our health, but one hit me completely, and that was Deuteronomy 7, 11 to 15. That's Deuteronomy 7, 11 to 15. God says, if you obey my laws, including his health laws, the ones that are on my, uh, in my materials, my books, DVDs, and CDs, if you obey my laws, including my health laws, my commandments and my decrees, I will keep you from every disease. So I thought, wow, that's a 100% guarantee by God himself. Now, you go to a doctor, a doctor will never give you a guarantee that if you follow their plan, you'll be well. They make you sign a consent that if you take this treatment and it maims you or kills you, that neither you nor your family will sue them, all right? But here's a 100% guarantee. So I thought, and I'm filled with cancer. I had breast, this huge breast cancer tumor. I had uh, big nodes in, involved with the cancer under my arm, and I had cancer in my upper spine. And I thought, I better figure out what that means. And when I learned what it meant, and I changed my everything about my life to comport with that, I started getting well. I didn't get well immediately. It took about 18 months. It took about eight months for the tumor to go away and another 10 months for me to regain my strength because I'd been bedridden for six months. And so I, I got totally well, and I have been totally well and cancer-free now for 20 years. And I take no medications. I never go to a doctor. I am never sick. Wow. Okay. Um, there's so many different directions I can take. A question regarding God's guarantee as you read it in the Bible. If you follow my commandments and do what I say, isn't that a tall order? Isn't that tough to do following all the commandments and everything he says to do? Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> we don't have it within ourselves to do that. New Age teaches you to look inside yourself for the answers to your problems. We don't have that ability inside ourselves. We have to get the power and strength from Jesus Christ. And if we study his word and if we pray and if we, uh, we get wisdom from obedience uh, by obeying all that we already know, and then God will put that into us. You see, people are fearful of everything now, but God says, fear not, I am with you. And once we understand that God is in charge of everything, in Romans 11:36 it says, all is of God. And God said, I will put my disposition and character in you, and then you will have the courage and the self-control. You see, the, the Bible says the fruits of the Spirit, the, the results of God's Spirit being in you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, humility, and self-control. And so when people say, you know, well, you know, I, I, hate, I, I hate vegetables or I hate drinking water, and I say to them, what does that have to do with it? That's what four-year-olds say. You're grown up. We're supposed to do what's right because it is right. 
for for an adult to say, well, I don't like this, well, then you know it's it's contributing to your disease and to your demise. Why don't you just stop? You see, we have to unburden our body. So God will give us the strength to do this if we seek him. See, you, you have to ask, you know, all of these brilliant uh, scientists, uh, another statistic that people need to know, and that is in 100 years of Nobel Prizes, 100 years in America of Nobel Prizes, and I guess the world, they've never found a cure for one disease. In 100 years and a trillion dollars collectively, of National Institutes of Health funding to medical researchers. A hundred years, a hundred trillion, uh, and a trillion dollars, they've never found one cure for one disease. That's because they're looking in the wrong places. They're looking and by they, you're referring to? Pardon? By they, you're referring to the medical establishment. Right, right. And so they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking for the magic bullet. They're looking for a drug. They're looking for this. They're looking for that. See, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the collection of facts by our five senses, what we see, hear, touch, uh, and taste, and all that. Those are the five senses. That's the way we collect knowledge. But in order to take those facts, the knowledge, and reach the right conclusion, we need wisdom. But wisdom comes only from God. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. All of these people have knowledge. Doctors, see, doctors don't know how to cure any disease. If you ask a doctor, what causes cancer? Well, we don't know. What causes Parkinson's? Well, we don't know. Well, what causes lupus? Well, we don't know. You know, the, 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 Word for cause of disease in medicine is etiology. When I was in medical school, we used to have that in the textbooks. When we would study each disease, it would say etiology, but then it would say unknown. Okay? They didn't know how the etiology of any disease, the cause. Now they've just left the etiology out of the books because they don't know what causes anything. And yet it's all in the medical literature, but they can't figure it out because they have no wisdom. So you can't win a race if you've got the, the fastest car with the best driver, if they're going the wrong way on the racetrack. And that's what all of medicine is doing. You know, all the great war on cancer since the Nixon administration, they're not any closer to curing cancer than they were all those years ago. I think it was 74 or something like that. They're not any closer. In fact, more people are getting cancer, and they're getting cancer at younger and younger ages. And you might say, well, why are babies getting cancer? Why are babies sometimes born with cancer? Well, because a baby has no immune system when it's in the womb and when it's first born. That's why it's so important for a mother to breastfeed the baby, because the only immune system that it gets is from the mother's milk. It gets all those antibodies from the mother's milk. But when a baby is in utero, in the womb, and with no immune system, that baby is eating, living, and handling stress like the mother. And if the mother isn't doing a good job of that, the, since the baby has no protection, the baby can get cancer even when the mother doesn't have cancer and can even be born with cancer. And that's what's so bad about giving newborn babies vaccinations for hepatitis B. The chance of a baby getting hepatitis B is zero, zero. 
and yet they give hepatitis B vaccinations to these babies, which just destroys them because they have all sorts of contaminants in them. They have mercury in them, they have aluminum in them, and this baby, little baby, can't stand it. So there was no autism or sudden infant death syndrome before the introduction of vaccinations. That's what's causing it. And we're killing babies. And, and little children, little girls are having breast cancer at the age of three. And some are having mastectomies at the age of three and the age of eight because people are living, eating, and handling stress so badly now. When I was a child, no children had cancer. But now it's not uncommon for children to have cancer in the form of leukemia or Hodgkin's or, or bone cancer. And so what we're doing is we're destroying ourselves by the way we're living, eating, and handling stress. This is not genetic because it wasn't passed down from our great-grandparents because they didn't have it. There is a statistic that says cancer will strike one out of every two men and one out of every three women in the United States, and this was back in the 2007, I believe. Well, I think it's, it's worse actually today. Much, it's much higher than that, and here's the way, because mm-hmm. they lie with their statistics. Let me tell you how they lie. First of all, most people with lung cancer die of lung cancer, okay, as particularly with the treatment they're given. When they figure the cancer statistics, they leave out all the lung cancer patients. They leave them out. Okay. Why is that? Because they make the cancer statistics look too high and they want to make, make people think they're successful and they want the government to think they're successful so they'll get more money for research. All right? Wow. So secondly, they usually leave out all the black people who have cancer because black people sometimes have a worse diet than white people and so they have a higher mortality rate from cancer so they leave out lung cancer patients and all the black people that have cancer. And then they include all the people with skin cancer, which is rarely ever fatal. So then they make the statistics look good. The statistics Mm. of death are much higher than they're telling you. You know, the information from the American Cancer Society today is, you know, imagine a world free from cancer. world could be free Uh, from cancer, yeah. But it's not through them. No, not through them. They don't know how. They don't know how. They don't know how. Besides, they've got a business. Right. American Cancer Society has a business. If everybody got well from cancer on their own, they wouldn't have any business anymore. Right. You see? So you follow the money. But people can get well. They can get to, you know what the cost for an average cancer treatment with orthodox medicine is between 500000 and a million dollars. That's what it costs. Now, insurance can pay for a lot of that, but look how much people are paying for insurance now. I got well with a plan that cost total for the whole 20 years $160. Not $160 every year. A one-time cost of $160. That's what the plan that I use to get well costs. I have in my starter package, I have four DVDs, four books, and six CDs, which tells you everything you need to know to get well from cancer, and you never have to buy another thing. I have other uh, other DVDs. Not you never have to buy another thing except for food, and you have to buy that anyway. Everything else so, in the plant is free. When you say $160, that didn't include your food. That was separate. That's just for the information to learn how to do it. Okay, I, I see. But when you had your cancer, I didn't have any information it. because no, I didn't know anybody who had gotten well the same way I got well. 
I had to sort it all out for myself. But I have put it all on DVDs and CDs and books, and I tell you exactly how to handle it. And then people have access to me by email. They can email me anytime with any questions they have, and they can get well for $160 total. You have your critics. Of course. You have those who have uh, demonized your message. That have, yes, of course. Truth tellers always have, (laughs) are demonized. Right. And but they can't, they um, cannot deny that I'm well. Okay. Yep. True. They you can't are. deny and that I'm well. Some try to deny that I ever had cancer, but, but my, my cancer diagnoses are right on my website. Then they have to say that people at Scripps Hospital and people at Loma Linda are lying, but they're not. It's there. They can even check with that. But the, but the whole point is, you see, the, the medical business is a multi-trillion dollar business. They don't want, and in fact, the drug companies have called me the most dangerous doctor in America because I show people how to get well without drugs. Everybody has to admit that nobody developed cancer from a deficiency of drugs, right? Oh, I have cancer because I didn't have enough chemo in my life. No, so chemo can't cure it because a lack of chemo is not the cause of it. And both, as I said, both chemo and radiation cause cancer. And nobody ever developed cancer because they had too many organs. Oh, my. I got cancer because I have two kidneys. I should have only been born with one, and now I'm going to have to take one out. That doesn't cure you. Taking your breast off does not cure you because you still keep doing the same things that caused the breast cancer in the first place. So that's why there's a significant incidence of getting breast cancer in the other breast because you keep doing the same things that caused breast cancer in the first breast. And if you have, say, you have uh, uh, one organ removed, then you'll just get cancer in a different place, or you'll develop another life-threatening disease. You've got to change the causes, and the causes are the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. You know, even in, I've got one of the journals of the American Cancer Society, something they put out, they even talk about how you should eat more fruits, grains, and vegetables, and how you should drink more water, and how you should get more exercise. Do you realize that a woman can reduce her risk of breast cancer by almost 70% by doing one thing that's totally free, and that is exercising four hours a week, a week, not a day, a week. Exercising four hours a week will decrease her risk of getting breast cancer by almost 70%, and it's free. And that's from the medical wow. literature. That's from the medical literature. And uh, everything I have said today, I give the evidence for from the medical literature with the actual references in my materials. So this is actually mainstream. It's just that nobody put it together. I didn't want to die. I didn't care what it took. I, did. I had two young sons who needed their mother, and I didn't want to die anyway, and I needed to be there to raise my sons. And, and so I am well. This all comes from the mainstream literature. None of this is off the top of my head. And none of this is from quirky kind of uh, marginal places. It's all from the mainstream literature. Got it. Okay. Well, it certainly is compelling, Dr. Day. And you do not sound a day over 60, right? I have not <laughs> met you personally, but just your energy uh, right. on the interview, you're very high energy. Uh, I have five, about five different mentors in my life who are in their 80s. And one thing I have absolutely learned is the reason they're so vibrant today 
in their 80s is because they're still engaged in life. They're still living with purpose. They are still writing and speaking. And that's yep. certainly true for you. You are right. so vibrant and so energetic, and you're so living with pur- purpose and passion, sharing your understanding of how to cure cancer, right? And I phrase it that way not because of a credibility issue, but just, um, the, you, you know, just. Well, if you if you look at it, you know, there's only one way to cure cancer, and that is not to try to kill it. Doctors are always trying to kill it with poisonous things like chemo and radiation or with mutilating things like surgery. There's only one way to cure cancer, and that is to deprive the cancer of the things it needs to grow. You deprive mm. the cancer of the things it needs to grow, which are the animal products, the sugar, uh, the stress. Uh, those are the things that make it grow. Those are the things that cause it. You see, doctors... Doctors are always trying to cure things, but they admit they don't know the causes. Well, you can't cure something unless you know what causes it. And all the causes are in the medical literature, but doctors don't know them. I didn't know them until I was faced with impending death myself and started studying the medical literature in areas that they don't teach us, you see. So you have to deprive the cancer. A recent study, by the way, a recent study did the following. They put cancer cells in Petri dishes, and in in one group of Petri dishes, they put the blood from a person who eats the standard American diet, and the cancer cells thrived. In another one, they put from a person on a vegan diet, and the cancer cells all died. Well, it wasn't because the, the, the vegan blood killed the cancer cells. It was because the vegan blood did not provide the factors the cancer cells needed to stay alive. So that's all you have to do is deprive the cancer of what it needs to grow, and it will start going away. Fascinating. Well, your website is drday.com. That's right, drday.com, and you'll learn. I have many articles on there, why your doctor can't cure you, and what I said about there's only one way to cure cancer, and all sorts of articles. If you go down to the bottom of the home page, you'll see a whole list of articles that you can just read there for free and learn how to get well. But then if you, if you have cancer, you can learn how to be well or stay well if you don't have disease. And then if you have cancer, you really need the starter package because your life is at risk. And you've got to put everything else aside to focus on getting well. This is not something that can be done casually. You have a life-threatening disease, and it's got to be number one in your life to get well. Well, thank you so much for sharing your powerful story with us on Living Wealthy Radio. Um, it's amazing how you've reversed your cancer uh, in advanced stages by equipping your body with what it needed to cure itself. Right. And um, you're so, I I love how you articulate um, what you believe are the things that cause cancer and what we can do to change it. And I encourage all our listeners to go to your website, um, whether you know someone who has cancer, whether you have cancer, or whether you just want to live a healthy, vibrant life. Um, Dr. Day, you certainly have some amazing information. Um, and thank you so much for joining us on Living Wealthy Radio. The recording of today's podcast will be on livingwealthyradio.com, and we will also forward it to you to use it in any way um, you'd like as well. Well, thank you for having me. 
My pleasure. God bless. All right, Dr. Day. Wow. Um, as impressive as always. Thank you so much for sharing. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm going to tell you now that three doctors were, who were all friends of mine, three surgeons, uh, were involved in my two biopsies, the one at Loma Linda and the two at uh, Scripps, two doctors at Scripps. Uh, they all told me, you know, what has come over you? You need to have chemotherapy and radiation and a mastectomy or you're going to die. You're going to die. What, where have you gotten these crazy ideas? Huh. Um, so one of them was not only it was a college classmate of mine, and um, I've been alive and well for 20 years, and I'm totally well. I never get tired. I have boundless energy. And um, the one who did the biopsy at Loma Linda uh, about 10 years ago died of a massive heart attack after a um, coronary artery bypass that was supposed to cure him, and he died uh, in the front of his 12-year-old granddaughter who is helping with his with her homework. He just mm. dropped dead, a little traumatic for her. So he's dead. He told me I would die if I didn't have conventional therapy. Then the two at Scripps, one is, and these were giants in the field. One was head of the um, American Surgical Society, and he's dead of pancreatic cancer and had all the chemotherapy and radiation they could throw at him. And the third one, was the head breast cancer surgeon at um, Scripps, who was a fellow resident with me at UC San Francisco, and he now has malignant melanoma, and they're giving him all the chemo they can throw at him, and he will probably mm. die. And so that, that's the, those are the people who told me I would die. And they're dead, and you're still yes. thriving. Right. Well, I would have hoped that Joyce Riley would have would have still lived. She was um, just such an inspiration and impacted so many people's lives. I loved her message, which is, you know, I don't necessarily know the truth, but I want to know the truth. She was always after learning the truth, right? Right. Right. And um, I don't know where she steered off course in her treatment. I don't know what she did, but it's so unfortunate that um, she struggled for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it was too bad. It was too bad. But um, um, that's how it is. But God gives a 100% guarantee. If you do it his way, you'll be well. But again, people don't want to change. See, Joyce would have had to given up her radio show for a while, for maybe a couple of years to get well. She didn't want to do that. Mm. Okay. Uh, another person who called me when they developed cancer was uh, Jan Crouch from Trinity Broadcast. Uh, yeah. Broadcasting. And so she even asked me to come down. She only lived about 50 miles from where I am. And I spent a whole afternoon with her, took her a lot of information. And I said, but Jan, you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to get off TV for at least a year, maybe two years. Oh, I'll never do that. I will never do that. I said, well, then you're not going to get well. The body needs rest. All this driving from the pressures of having a major network show and and with Joyce with all that you've got to get away from that you've got to rest you've got to get away from it but people don't want to let it go at the beginning I thought I could get well by still I was doing some as many as six or eight radio programs a day and I thought well I was doing I was exposing the AIDS 
problem and healthcare worker safety and all that. And I thought, well, there's nobody else doing it, so I've got to keep doing this. But I got so sick that I couldn't do it anymore. And that's when I became bedridden. And, and, and I thought I could get well by continuing my regular activities. You can't. You can't. Again, you can't repair a car while you're driving it. You can't repair a sick body while you're driving it. Do you think Joyce, um, and this is something that I've heard um, from different people off the record, uh, people like Joyce who are making a major impact on the truth get targeted um, and, you know, get poisoned or perhaps no. the vaccines when she was no, in the army. I was army. targeted. There was nobody targeted more than I was. The government threatened my life. Government threatened my life, a very serious threat to my life when I was exposed mm. to the AIDS epidemic. The government, even when I was getting well from cancer, uh, in my house, I lived kind of out in the country, and at that time there were no houses around me. I had black helicopters hovering over my house within 10 feet of my roof. I could see mm. the helicopter pilots' faces when I went outside, and I would go out and wave to them. They would shake my house so completely that I, one time they shattered a floor-to-ceiling sliding glass door window. Okay? So I was targeted but they didn't poison me. I poisoned myself by the way I was living, eating, and handling stress. And I had to have complete removal from the cares of life in order to get enough rest and to do all the things I needed to do to get well. I do not believe at all that the, that um, uh, Joyce was targeted with being poisoned. She, she did it to herself just like I did. But she didn't want to give up her radio show. I had to give up everything and get well how did you support yourself were you married were you well my uh, husband was of no help but that, that was the husband i was married to at the time um uh if you look at my dvds you'll think he was the greatest guy that ever was because he was uh nice to me but only when i was bedridden because he thought i would get everything that he would get everything that I had <laughs> and take it away from my sons. And he was sitting right there when I made my DVDs, but he was very, very verbally and psychologically abusive, horrible. And that's what was the mm -hmm. final point that took me down. But I had written the book, AIDS, What the Government Isn't Telling You, which had, became, had become an underground bestseller. It sold over 100,000 copies. And so I had put all that money away. I had saved it. And that's the money I lived on for the three and a half years that I couldn't work. I supported myself and my husband, who did nothing during that time, um, because the only job he had is he worked for me and my company. He was a lawyer and all. He could have gone to work, but, but he didn't. But um, I supported myself with that money. And about the time the money was running out, I was able to go back to work. Ah, interesting. So God provided. And was this the, was this the father of your, your boys no, or? No, no, okay, no. Another husband. No. Okay. The father of my two boys, that's another. I'm not really, I don't have successful marriages. I have one now, but I didn't have one then. Uh, the, um, my husband, uh, the father of my sons was a surgeon like me. We were married for almost 20 years uh, until I found that his uh, girlfriend was living in our summer house. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. You're a strong woman, Dr. Day. Wow, what an inspiration. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, the I'm married to now, now I'm married to a former U.S. congressman, Bill Danemeyer. He was a congressman from Orange County, um, who actually we met when he saw me on television years and years ago. But he was married, and I was married, and, and it, we were just had a. Uh, he wanted me to support some of his legislation. He was on the Health Committee in Congress, but then I never saw him again until. Um, 2003. So I met him first in 1989. Never saw him again till 2003. His wife had died of breast cancer because she had had all the chemo they could give her in mm. 1999. And he said the Lord put my name in his mind, and he came looking for me in 2003. So we've been really? for almost 14 years now. And you're in California or Florida? California, right? You are you are in California. Okay, okay. Yeah, I live um, in Southern California. About um, about um, 120 miles east of Los Angeles, near Palm Springs. Beautiful. Yeah, well, it's not well, so beautiful now. It's like 116 degrees today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, true, 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 true. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful it's in the wintertime, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, uh, you know, I, I finally uh, uh, got a happy marriage, but the two previous ones were. But I, what I realize now is the. As I talk about in the first chapter of one of my books that's in the starter package, cancer is a blessing. Um, I would have never thought so when I was going through it because I was in horrible pain for oh, well over a year. I mean, I couldn't sleep more than two hours a night from the pain. When I was still able to walk, I was running around the house trying to, uh, trying to um, uh, take my mind off the pain. I mean, I'd really run around the house for for an hour at a time just trying to get rid of the pain just because even I tried big pain medications like morphine, it wouldn't even touch it, wouldn't even touch it. So it was like drinking water. So I quit taking it because it was, but I was in horrible pain. And, um, but I knew I wasn't going to have orthodox therapy. And I tried, I, 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 somehow I understood along the way that I had to try all these alternatives which are promoted as as curing cancer. Uh, some of them did cure cancer 80 years ago, but that's when life was a lot simpler. There's a lot less stress. People were eating better and all that. Now, now they don't work because I tried them all. And I have a DVD in the starter pack package called Sorting Through the Maze of Alternative Medicine, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why. And I discuss over 60 different types, including the eat for your type diet, uh, blood type diet, and I show why they don't work. I show why they don't work. Uh, so um, I, I had to go through all this to sort it out for everybody else coming after me, and it was what actually got me to God. Because, again, I had been an agnostic for all of my, I was raised a Christian, but I left the church when I was in my early 20s because I had wonderful parents who were Christians, wonderful parents who, who uh, disciplined my brother and me when we needed it, but I knew they would never really hurt us, okay? And yet I was asked to believe in this God who says essentially, love me and I'll let you live with me forever, but if you don't, I'm going to torture you in hellfire forever. I said, my parents would never do that to me. So how can I love a God who's going to kill me if I don't or torture me forever if I don't? So I said, I'm out of here, okay? So for 35 years, I had nothing to do with religion at all. I, in fact, I'm embarrassing to say, mocked it, all right? But when I had tried I mean, 
all these alternatives and knew I wasn't going to do conventional therapy. And I was on my deathbed. At one point, I was not expected to live through the night. I was so sick and so had this huge tumor and cancer everywhere. So I prayed a prayer to God, and I said, I don't even know if you're up there. But if you are and you know my heart, you know what I think about you. I don't like you. You seem like a pyromaniac to me. Uh, so i got to be honest with you. But if if but I need your help, and you've given this complete 100% guarantee in the Bible. So I need to understand what I have to do to get well. And if you're not like what the churches teach, show me. And over a long period of time of studying the Bible, over a number of years while I was getting well, I learned that God is not at all like the churches teach. All right? And I wrote a book. I wrote a 900-page book called Who Rewrote the Bible. And it turns out that the translators have rewritten the Bible according to their preconceived theological beliefs, not according to what Jesus taught when he was on earth. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Well, then how come that doesn't work for God? Well, it turns out it does work for God. The word hell isn't even in the Bible. It's been written in by the translators. Dr. Day, I'm so happy to hear that. I, you know, I heard you, I think, on Joyce discuss this stuff, and it's very similar to, you know, your story is similar to mine, and I have a spiritual component to me, but I I just don't buy, I, I just can't buy that book of the Bible the way it's written. Well, you I know, grew up in, you know I, I have written this big book, which is 900 pages, but if you send me your address, email me your address, and I will send you a book I'm writing now, which will be ready in about a month. I'm just doing the final editing on it right now, and it's called... If Jesus died for all, why can't he save all? And the subtitles are, is he unable? Well, we know that that's not true. He's not unable. Is he unwilling? No. It's his will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And then the third is, God's, is man's will stronger than God's will? Can God not save us unless we let him? Do we tell God what he can and cannot do? And so this book is only going to be about 200 pages long. And it's called, If Jesus Died for All, Why Can't He Save All? And it turns out he is going to save everybody, but not in their sin. Everybody will reap what they've sown. And I show you how all this will happen from the texts in the Bible. I think biggest turnoff are what I don't understand. And I, I do remember that you've got that 900-page book, and that to me was a turnoff. I don't have time to read 900 pages, and yeah. I read voraciously, but 900 pages is a lot, right? Um, yeah. But what only those from the, that were born from the lucky sperm club get to be saved right that's ridiculous that doesn't make sense to how me how many of your children you would you burn to death because they didn't do what you said none, none. of course none of course. but and it makes you know, no sense if I, if i was born in africa if i was born a muslim or if i was born you know whatever I'm I'm going to die and go to hell because I was, you know, culturally born yeah. in the wrong religion. Right. Not only that, not only that, none of us, neither you nor I or anybody else has to be here. And we certainly didn't ask to be born into a sinful world as a sinner. Okay? Absolutely. Who's responsible for that? That's God. The Bible says all is of God. So God's responsible for it. So he's responsible for pulling us out of this mess, every one of us. And he's going to do it. And that happens at the judgment. 
uh, everybody who has not known the Lord when they die will all be back for the judgment. And all the churches teach, well, God's going to resurrect them up or, you know, take them out of hellfire for a little bit and or resurrect them up. And then he's going to tell them how good he is and how bad they are. And then he's going to kill them again or, or throw them back in the fire. Well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Hell, for the first five centuries after Christ, everybody believed that God was going to save everybody. And then the Catholic Church came along with St. Augustine, and that's where the whole concept of hell came in. Uh, up until that time, Origen and, and Gregory of Nyassa and all these early church fathers understood that fire was literal in the Old Testament, and it actually burned up Sodom and Gomorrah, but it is spiritual in the New Testament. It burns the sin out of your life. It doesn't burn you up. But doesn't... Isn't the God of the Old Testament just a mean, the way it's portrayed? In, in, no, in the, no. And here's, here's why, that's why you have to go back to the beginning. Here's, the, here's what you have to do. When God took the Israelites out of Egypt to take them to the promised land, he um, uh, sent them out of Egypt. They had no weapons. They had only yard goods and gold and silver. They had no weapons. So they got to the Red Sea, and they were surrounded by the Red Sea on one side, by mountains on the other, and here came the Egyptians. And they were terrified. And they kept saying to Moses, you brought us out here to die. They're all going to kill us. And, all. and what did Moses say to them? You be still. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you be still and watch God fight for you. Okay, so God parted the Red Sea. They went through because Moses had faith. And then the Egyptians came in and they didn't have any faith. The Red Sea came down on them. But the next time you see them, they have weapons. They picked up the weapons from the dead Egyptians and they said, boy, we don't want to. That was too close a call. We don't want to depend on God anymore. We're going to fight our own battles. So then they decided to do the killing. Now, God had two choices. He could say, well, if they don't, don't do everything I tell them, I'm going to abandon them. Or he could say, I'm going to meet them where they are. They don't understand completely, but they at least acknowledge me as their God. So he said, this is not my way. I didn't want to kill a bunch of people. I was going to, uh, I was going to drive the Canaanites out with bees and hornets. Nobody would get hurt. But if you're going to do it, then you're going to have to kill them all. But that's your choice, and it will make you into an ugly people. So God gets a bad rap for what the Israelites chose to do. Got it. You see? It's the same way people say, why do we have to have all this horrible stuff in the world, and our, some people's children die, and they, why, why do we have to have all this trouble? Well, first of all, we never change unless we have trouble. If everything's going fine, we never change, right? Secondly, in, in the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of this tree, because if you do, you will begin dying. It doesn't say you'll die that day. That's a mistranslation. You will begin dying. And they lost the, the, when they ate of the tree, they lost their light, and they began dying. They were no longer immortal. Okay? So God told them, don't eat of the tree, or you will begin to die. 
Well, they'd never seen death in anything. Nothing died up until that time, not, not even trees and anything else. Nothing died. And so what did they do? God told them, don't eat the tree. What did they do? They went right out and ate of the tree. So God says, okay, I've given you the Bible. People don't do what's in the Bible. That's just telling them. So I guess you're going to have to experience sin for yourself. And that's the only way mm. you'll learn. So we bring these things on ourselves because we don't learn by God telling us. So that's why there's so much trouble in the world. Uh, of course, Adam and Eve learned pretty quickly when one son murdered the other, uh, the results of sin, you see. But if we would just listen, we would have a lot less pain. You're a beautiful woman inside and out. I love your passion and your courage. And so God's Thank gotten you. a really bad rap because he stuck with the Israelites, even though they became evil. They at least acknowledged him as their God. You know, I give an illustration uh, at times. Suppose that there's a man named John who has a son named Randy. The man, John, does not believe in shooting animals, although all of his friends are hunters. And they kind of kid him about being a, a, a you know, weak because he will not go out and shoot animals. So, but he doesn't believe in it. So his son grows up and he teaches him not to kill animals too. But when his son is 18, he um, wants to go out with his friends and hunt. The father says, you know how I feel about this, but you're old enough to make your decisions. So the father has two choices. He can either not teach his son anything about guns and his son is in danger of killing himself or killing one of his hunting buddies. Or he can take him out to the shooting range to teach him how to handle a gun safely. So John decides to take his son Randy out to the, to the shooting range to teach him how to handle a gun. So then John's friends come up and say, oh, John now has decided to be a hunter. No, John has not decided to be a hunter he is just not letting his son go out and be in danger of hurting himself. So that's what God did. God said, well, they still acknowledge me as their God. They don't want to do it my way, but I'm going to stay with them because I love them and they are my kids, even though they're not doing what I say. Hmm. So how do you stay? How do you stay? Um, Oh, what's the word? Um, loyal to him. How do you stay true to him? How do you? How are you obedient to him? I eat, live, and handle stress his way. I don't hold grudges. You know, I in order to get well, <clears throat> this this affair between my husband and this woman had been going on for two years before I even knew about it. Uh, my residents had to come and tell me that because I wasn't suspicious and all that. Then after that, I found out he'd been cheating on me for the whole 20 years we'd been married. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. But, but, and, and I was angry because he humiliated me publicly. Um, and by taking this girl around to, uh, restaurants in San Francisco where even our housekeeper saw him and she didn't know whether I knew or not, and she was uncomfortable even coming to work. And so, you know, he, he, and she was this, this woman was a nurse at the hospital and she wasn't, she was 30 years younger than he, but she wasn't even a trophy wife. She wasn't even particularly good looking, but, but, um, uh, I was really angry. I was angry. 
And in human terms, I had a right to be angry, but I had, I had to write a letter to him asking him for forgiveness. And I had to write a letter to her. They weren't even married yet, but she'd been his girlfriend. I had to write a letter to her asking for her forgiveness because of the things I'd said about her, which were all true, but I didn't say them in the right spirit. Those were the hardest things I had to do. When you say you had to, you had to... God impressed on me that I had to do it. Got it. And I... I argued in prayer for about three months. I didn't want to do that. That was just, you know, you have to really humble yourself to do something like that. And I had to do that. I had to write those letters. That was harder than any other part of the plan. But it was the only way I could get well. I had to let it go. And see, my husband, my ex-husband, father of my children, he's still been angry at me. He was angry at me because I left him after all this brouhaha after he'd been taking this girl around in, sh- in front of everybody in front of our friends you know and things like that while he was still living with me and married to me all right and he even kissed this girl in front of our son who was eight one of the younger sons who was eight years old at the time and poor little spencer didn't know what to do with that he didn't know was my family falling apart it was a horrible thing to do to a child and so I was angry about a lot of things and, um, and with good right to be angry, but I had to let it go. But my husband, who's still been angry with me because then, then he begged me to stay, begged me to stay, begged me to stay. I wasn't a Christian at that time. I was done. And, and, uh, and then all the guilt from, from he developed an arrhythmia during this time and he came home wearing a heart monitor one day and I said what are you wearing your heart monitor for and he said oh I've got an arrhythmia I said nothing wrong with your heart I didn't know that he was fooling around with this girl at that time see and he developed an arrhythmia so he developed arrhythmia got on drugs uh, for the arrhythmia and then developed high blood pressure got on drugs for the high blood pressure and uh, then he's had uh, he's now on about five drugs. Now he's developed Parkinson's, and he's had about five operations for various things in the last six years, and, and now he can barely get around, and he's only a couple years older than I am, and he's a mess because he didn't forgive. <sighs> but it's a good uh, example for my son's. And my sons live, eat, and handle stress my way and not their dad's way. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're both, they're both big and vegetarians. And, and you'll see if you go on my website where it says, is Dr. Day still alive, right on the homepage there near the top, and click there, and you'll see my little twin granddaughters. And uh, one of my sons has these little twins, and they're now six years old, and they're, they're both big and vegetarians. And it's changed everybody in my family. Except my ex-husband, who's, you know, got nothing but trouble. He's got diverticulitis, and he's got, uh, he's had three detached retinas, which are caused from the dehydration, from the stress, and not drinking water, and drinking coffee, and drinking alcohol. And, uh, and he's had an operation, had some of his colon removed from the diverticulitis, and, and now he has Parkinson's and can just shuffles around. And I'm well. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I will promote your 
website and your books and your information um, on Living Wealthy Radio. Happy to do so. I know I've sent clients your way. Um, We'll continue to do so. Good. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. You're such, you're so welcome. And um, really, Godspeed and God bless you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.